0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80, the zone. Well, it is not a good morning for Clipper fans, but it's a great morning for Laker fans. (laughs) Lakers enjoyed that. Nuggets fans enjoyed it, too. The Denver Nuggets down 12 in the second quarter, rally and dominate the Clippers. They win by 15. They were up by 20 with two minutes to go. The second half was all Denver. The Clippers... Just looked like they completely lost it. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's the second straight series. Obviously, that the Nuggets come back from three-one down, but you know they had to fight to beat the Jazz, and the Clippers just folded in the second half. I mean, there was no there there. There was no pushback. There was no fight. They just they just faded. Jokic had four fouls, went to the bench. End of the third quarter. I thought he was only going to be out for a couple minutes at the start of the fourth quarter, but they were playing so well without him. And since he had the four fouls, why risk it? They finally called a timeout and put him back in with seven minutes left, but by then the lead had been pushed up to 15. They'd like doubled the lead. i like, mean, you know, and the Jazz lost, and in the end, you win or you lose. But if you're going to lose, go down fighting, tie the game at 78, give up the last two points, lose 80 to 78 when your shot rims out at the end. I mean, if you're going to lose battle all the way to the end and the clippers you could just see it coming you if you were on if you were on on uh, social media you could see throughout the fourth quarter people were just bailing out like the clippers are done one after another different viewers came to the realization at different times like oh boy <laughs> they're not coming back and then after the game the piling on began Damian Lillard going to Patrick Beverly, C.J. McCullough, Magic Johnson, and the list of people who took shots at the Clippers when that was over. They just couldn't wait to get going, which is funny because it all wiped out what normally would be a huge conversation piece. The Celtics had the first game in the Eastern Finals won. They were in charge, and all of a sudden they switched from this free-flowing, the ball is moving, great stuff's happening, to this isolation game. And Kemba Walker, who's not having a good game, who's shooting a really low percentage, is suddenly going one-on-one against a much bigger, athletic, strong player who loves to defend. And then he's getting bad shots. It's the former Jazz man, Jay Crowder. Crowder's like, absolutely give me this little guy with the game on the line. I will stop this guy. I will lock him up. <laughs> oh, man. What were the Celtics doing? And Tatum, who had a good game, took three isolation shots at the end of regulation when, when the Celtics were ahead and could have won. Well, one came when the game was tied. And he missed them all. And none of them were good shots. They are all low-quality shots after isolation plays. Terrible. And the Celtics only got to overtime because of a bad call. Uh, Kimball Walker shoved a Heat player into a screen, and then the Celtic there, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Smart, uh, flopped. you <laughs> like, oh my gosh, the Celtics just stole one point. Just stole a point they didn't deserve and got to OT. But Miami won an OT with a big block from out of bio, so that was a really good game. Can't say the same about the Clippers and Nuggets. It was a very interesting story, not a good game at all we got to take a break. When we come back, more from the bubble, more on the Lakers. And as they get ready for the Western Conference Finals with Kyle Goon, who used to work here in Salt Lake, is now at the Orange County Register. Kyle's coming up next. Stay with us.
1: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Kyle Goon joined us from the bubble. He's been there for more than a couple months. He'll talk about that. He uh, works for the Orange County Register. He used to be here in Salt Lake, covered high schools and covered the Utes and did a lot of stuff. But now he's covering the Lakers for the Orange County Register. And we talked to him about the Lakers and how they set up for the Western Final. Now, it was yesterday, so he didn't know if it would be Clippers or Nuggets. Um, And you'll hear him reference that multiple times. But still, his take on the Lakers and what he's seen from them up close in the bubble, really interesting stuff. Here's Kyle. Kyle, good morning. DJ, what's going on? Uh, I was about to ask you the same thing. Are you still in the bubble? How many days in the bubble?
2: <laughs> Am I still in the bubble? Have I ever lived a life not in the bubble? That's, no. that's the more pertinent question. I can't even remember the before times. <laughs> before the bubble times. What is that? No, i de- um, No, doing good. Do
0: you know how many days it is now? How long you been there?
2: Um, I try not to count. Uh, for reasons for sanity, uh, but it, it's been over sixty days. Oof. It's been been two months in the bubble, um, and uh, slowing down a little bit. Obviously, with fewer teams and and uh, slightly fewer people, um, and so the schedule's slowing down a little bit. But obviously, a lot of weighty games, um, a lot of interesting stuff going on uh, that I'm sure you're you're poised to ask cutting uh, insightful questions uh, about. As we get in here. <laughs> well, that's why I come in, Kyle. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Has anyone Thanks ever seen you do that,
4: PK? <laughs>
3: <laughs> no. No, not at all. Um, I'm wondering, you know, because we have a potential to be in all the L.A. City uh, final, and, you know, I go way back. Uh, uh-huh. Your editor, Todd Armisen, worked with him at the Daily Breeze when the Lakers were in. And, you know, I would get called into coverage uh, to, to be on finals and playoff stuff. How How is the right. register? And it's not just the register. The way the thing works is you guys, you provide content for several papers. So would they be able to send more folks down there?
2: No, no. Um, I mean, there's it, – it's an interesting deal. Um, I mean, the bubble – like, theoretically, it's just painstaking to get anybody in here uh, for any reason. Um, as you guys know, like, players have, have guests available and, and can invite, you know, family, wives, girlfriends, um, things of that nature. And they But they had one entry point where they could do one market, uh, from in-market, do four days of quarantine as opposed to a week where if you come in on a private flight... Um, and now they can't really add more without doing an extra week of quarantine. And and players are trying to figure that out with their kids and wives and stuff like that. So imagine how low on the poll newspapers <laughs> <laughs> to, to adding people and staff. I mean, it's been a battle for NBA teams to have people and staff. Now they're going to be able to add up in the, in the Tier 2 area where it's sort of the upper deck of the arena. Um, and so the value is questionable it's just it, it's kind of painstaking to get anyone in here um so yes I, i'm gonna be the sole member of of not only uh not not only uh the the southern california family newspapers but uh the, the media news group family papers which includes papers in denver and boston which are kind of going right now
0: so we had Steve Cleveland. Uh, he's our basketball insider. He's on weekly, uh, and he admits he's a huge Laker fan. Um, just since you know he was young, and he went to UC Irvine, so he's obviously in Southern California. Uh, and he mm-hmm. said that he thought the he didn't think the Lakers were a championship team. He thought there were there were too many flaws, there were too many problems. But he said that when they went to Anthony Davis at the five. What that did for them at both ends of the floor was monumental, and he thinks as long as they keep Anthony Davis as the five, that they are, in fact, the favorite to win it all. He thinks it literally flipped the switch, and it is everything. Do you see it the same way?
2: Um, I mean, I do, but also, I mean, depending on the matchup, um, having a big is, is very useful uh, for the Lakers. Um, and just, I've been thinking about, you know, what's going to happen if Denver advances and Nikola Jokic is the guy. Like, obviously, you know, he has some range and, and shoots threes and has that ability. Um, but the Lakers were able to win by playing him big this year and throwing JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard on him. And I think what you really see that that makes the Lakers very tough to beat is the, the versatility aspect that they can adjust. I mean, they beat Portland in a completely different way than they beat Houston. Both of them have elite scores, but Portland had to try and match up with the Lakers in size, playing two bigs, Hassan Whiteside, and Yusuf Nurkic at once, and that didn't work. And then the Rockets forced the, the Lakers to go small, and the Lakers go small, and they're a better small ball team than the Rockets because Anthony Davis, um, is so mobile and has so much value, especially defensively. So I, I think that's the piece where, um, you know, the Lakers really are able to kind of outmaneuver. I, I, I'll I agree with your, your friends in that um, kind of going into the playoffs, I did not think the Lakers were at their strongest. But what they've kind of shown that everyone's talking about the Clippers right now and, and wondering – they have it, is just that attentiveness, um, the the competitiveness. I think it kind of streams from LeBron on down, that the Lakers are are trying to compete every game, um, mostly every possession. Even though they haven't been able to win game ones, they've always come back with with adjustments and the ability to, to tweak their roster. And that's kind of, to me, what's made them the championship favorite when I don't think a lot of people here necessarily thought that was the case when they were coming out and starting the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I'd agree with that as far as when it began as to where it is now and how much better. I think one of the reasons, and you're there closer, so I want to get your response to it, I've been impressed by Rajon Rondo being able to come back and and make some vital contributions.
2: Yeah, I mean, he was key to team two and three wins um, and and close wins. uh, And he's kind of turning back the clock and – and reminding everybody, I know he hates this this term, but about playoff Rondo and and how good he's been in the playoffs. I mean, he's pretty much a, a near triple-double career player in the playoffs, um, which is, is kind of remarkable if you think about it. And he's he, his and I, yeah, I know this is a buzzword, but like his analytics in the regular season are terrible. I mean, it's just a lot of times he's one of the few Lakers who has. Um, sort of a negative effect on a lineup. And uh, and a lot of it comes from just not playing defense at the same intensity they he's playing right now um, and, and making adjustments and um, sort of mentally picking teams apart. Um, so he and, he and LeBron have that ability. And what Alex Caruso told me the other day was, um, you know, when you have one of those guys, it's a luxury. When you have two of those guys, it's a weapon. So I think his ability to kind of read defenses in games, make adjustments in games, not have to go back to the tape and, and sort of figure it out has has been of great value to the Lakers and obviously he's been putting up numbers too.
0: So you know there are a lot of youth fans listening right now or wondering Kyle Kuzma, how does he fit into all this? What should be expected out of him? What do they think of what they are getting out of him right now? The Kyle Kuzma assessment.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's kind of interesting. I think, honestly, I think the biggest thing that's happened for Kyle is that Kyle has adjusted his own expectations. Um, and when I say that, I mean, you know, at the beginning of the year, there's like a lot of buzz about like, okay, like what's what's Kyle going to do? Is he, is he sort of third star of this group? Is he going to be – You know, is is you going to make this a trio? Um, And that just hasn't happened. Um, And there's, I mean, obviously he started out the season with an injury, um, and that really set him back. When we got injured while training for Team USA, and and just there's been some other injuries, and I think it's just been hard, personally, to to adjust to a team where the dynamics changed so much. I mean, last year he was a starter and got a, a bit of a green light. And this year, it's just so different, and there's so many more veterans. And his role has kind of shrunk because Anthony Davis pr- prefers to play um, power forward. So the, the Lakers kind of built a team where Kuz got a little bit less uh, of, of the uh, of the stick, so to speak. And but I think something happened to him in the hiatus where he seemed to realize, I, I understand what I need to do to get minutes. I got to play defense and. I, I got to be able to shoot a little bit. And he really – it seems like he spent a lot of the hiatus working on his defense, working on his body from that aspect. He's become a much better defensive piece. So he's not the third star right now. Um, and I'm not saying it could never happen. But he's hes kind of adjusted his his scope to being like, what does the team need me to be to win this year? And I think he's really identifying it, and especially if the Clippers advance for next series. Um, and guys like Kyle are going to have to guard Kawhi, I mean, they're going to need need that matchup to really step up. And so he, they'll, they rely on him. It's just not what people thought going into the
1: season.
3: Has Anthony Davis given any hint whatsoever what he might want to do going forward?
2: Yeah, I think he's given plenty of hints. I think he's staying. why do you say that i i I don't think that there's any buzz to any other team um and uh you know it's a little screwy now because of whatever's going to happen to salary cap um in free agency but i don't i don't see why he'd leave it seems very much like he likes it here um that he gets along with lebron um you know obviously there's there's a lot of basketball left to be played, but this is the furthest he's ever gone. Um, LeBron, in my view, goes out of his way to sort of make AD feel um, welcome and and in control. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you'll find anybody who pays attention who thinks that Anthony Davis and, and LeBron James are a co partnership. But I, I do think LeBron tries to make AD feel like hey, this is your thing, too. Um, you know, he, he and, and Rob Palenka talked a lot uh, as they were trying to, you know, recruit a team to, to free agency. Um, and, and the pieces they did get reflect a lot of AD's personal choices, like DeMarcus Cousins got Rajon Rondo back. Um, so I don't really see a reason why he leaves. Um, and, and I think something dramatic would have to happen um, in the postseason. And, and probably off the court, something dramatic would have to happen for him to change his mind. I guess my one thing is that LeBron's going
3: to be 36 at the end of the calendar year.
2: Yeah, but um, that, that may be true, but show me a team with max cap space that looks like it's doing better than the Lakers next year. Yeah. And that stuff. And, and and beyond that, I mean, you know, um, I mean, both of you guys know, like, being on the Lakers is just a huge platform. It comes with a lot of um, benefits, intangible and tangible, um, including money, including commercial opportunity. Um, I do think that AD maybe is not. Um, I, I I think he has less sort of Hollywood interest than than maybe other stars have um but at the same time i mean there's a reason that all this happens and why he asked for the trade and he he's on he's 8 games away from seeing that fulfilled and and i think that like once if if the lakers were to win um i i think that's cemented i think he's sort of like all right this is the place where i i won and this is the place where i want to keep back even if lebron gets older like he's a guy who's guided me there. I don't I don't really see Anthony Davis at this point in his career being able to mentally be like all right, ready to move on.
0: The fact that anyone would use the phrase "if he gets older" when it's inevitable for everybody tells you how awesome <laughs> what LeBron is doing. It really is that that would even possibly be a thing that anyone could say with a straight face. So I'm curious I mean, prove here, it, right? Yeah, <laughs> prove, he's,
2: prove it, that he it. ages. Prove that he's not Benjamin Buttoning <laughs> somehow. I, I don't know.
0: <laughs> uh, so I'm curious. You said eight games away. If the Lakers don't get those eight wins, it's because of which team?
2: Which team? Um, I think it's because of the Clippers if they decide to play. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Clippers have not decided to play. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it, um, to be honest. I think the thing that's setting back the Clippers is, is their supporting role with or their supporting cast, which we all thought – was a strength going into the season and even into the playoffs. Um, but guys like Montrezl Harrell, Lou Williams, um, have not been consistent. Patrick Beverly's been injured. Um, and it's just like, hey, guys, like it's it's winning time now. You have a sixteen, 19-point a lead, you blow that. You have a 16-point lead, you blow that. Like I, I don't know what has to happen for them to find that urgency. And I think Kawhi's turned on. I mean, if you look at his numbers... He's been incredible um, and and it's not him um, at the, in this round Paul George has been much better I, I like even though he's gotten the foul trouble um I wouldn't say I wouldn't lay that at his feet but the very thing that was supposed to be the strength of the clippers has been a weakness uh, in this series and I don't I don't know if I fully understand it and frankly I don't know even if they win this series if they're going to be able to find that quote-unquote gear um, that the Lakers have so clearly seized upon. I mean, you know, I, I think the Rockets are a better team than the Nuggets. I just do. And I, I, I worry if, if the Clippers can't find that urgency against the Nuggets, are, are they going to come out of the series more mentally strong or more mentally wounded because they had to take it to seven games? So I I really wonder about that. But obviously the Clippers at their best. I mean, we've seen them at their best in this series, which is what's so weird. It's like at their best, they're very switchable. Um, Kawhi is basically unguardable. Um, So I I want to see that series, but I don't know. (laughs) I can't tell you with certainty that it's going to be on
5: tomorrow.
0: Well, he's Kyle Goon. A couple months in the bubble and counting. Could be another month if it's a trip to the NBA Finals and a, a long a trip to the NBA Finals. There's an expression that doesn't really fit anymore either, but uh, we'll, we'll leave all yeah, that aside. A,
2: a, a bus over to the NBA Finals. All <laughs> yeah, right. A short bus ride. <laughs> there you go.
0: <laughs> all right. Well, Kyle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. Hey,
2: thanks for having me, guys. I always appreciate it. And uh, yeah, um, uh, I. Uh, yeah, hope, hope you guys uh, send me. Uh, what, what's a Utah thing you guys could send to the bubble? Not fry sauce. Something better
0: than that. <laughs> I was about to say fry sauce.
2: Uh, Martin? Oh, no. <laughs> Martin. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never pass clearance. All right. Thanks, guys. Gordon with a bow on
0: All right. There's Kyle Goon from the bubble in Orlando. And uh, when we come back, how about we switch gears and get a little BYU football? And we will do that next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 and
1: 1280 The Zone.
0: Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to talk a little BYU football from a couple different perspectives, from the player perspective and from the media perspective. We'll start with the player perspective. Uh, James Empey, lineman for BYU. One of the, uh, well, I was going to say one of the more, more highly thought of linemen, but the honest truth is when you have eight guys back who started and four guys back who are, uh, projected to be NFL guys by NFL scouts. There's a lot of guys who are highly thought of, but uh, Empey's in both those groups as a, as a guy who's got starting experience and a guy the NFL is looking at. And so uh, his take on uh, everything that happened with the cancellation against Army and Louisiana Tech is now scheduled, which I think was a pretty good get for BYU. We'll get into that in a few minutes. But I think, you know, as far as what kind of games he had, you, you know, when, when you're adding Texas State, I mean, eh. You add who you add. You add who will play you. You're an independent, and most people won't play you. So if somebody says they'll play you, you just need to say yes. But I think Louisiana Tech is clearly a cut above most of the teams they've scheduled and really is probably as good as anyone they can get. I just... You know, when when you're averaging nine wins a year for six years, and you don't have a coaching change in there, you got consistency with Skip Holtz. And coming off a ten win season, we'll see how it goes for him this year. I don't know much about their team; I don't follow that closely. But that's the kind of stuff you look up once the game is scheduled. And I was vaguely aware Louisiana Tech had been pretty good, uh, but I couldn't have spelled out the numbers. Averaging nine wins a year, coming off a ten win season, you got my attention. That's a pretty good get. So James Empey talking about. Uh, Life at BYU as a BYU player, it's a crazy year, right? Uh, all the games canceled, the games rebuilt, then one of them canceled, another one added. Here's James Impey with the media.
4: James, I just wanted to ask for you, what was what's the last week been like as you guys have gone through this process? Because you knew it was a possibility. We talked to Kalani about it, but now it's a reality. What's, what's that been like? Um, I think it's just been, you know, taking it one day at a time, taking it you know, one piece at a time. We've all been just trying to follow the guidelines that, that have been given us and we're trying to do our best and we have faith in, you know, everybody in our administration, whether it be, you know, uh, time guys scheduling games and making sure, you know, uh, we're ha- we have games to play and we get to play football and the, the sports medicine staff who are making sure that we're all safe and, and that we handle things the right way. And, and we're just, you know, taking it piece by piece and doing our best to, to do what we need to do so we can keep playing football. All right, let's go Norma and then Jake Hatch. Throughout fall camp and uh, as the season was nearing, multiple players and coaches were talking about accountability, how it was going to be on you guys to make sure to still have a season. I guess where would you say is the weakest link that could sort of derail this season? What What would have to happen? You know, I think – I think Kalani, w- w- when he was talking about it, he said it best. Where everybody's still learning so much about this thing, and we're all just trying to do our best to to um, keep up with the news and and keep doing our best with the the new guidelines that are stated. Um, and it's just a learning curve for everybody. So um, as we as we hit these little small bumps in the road, we can we can bounce back and do the right thing and prepare ourselves for for future games. You know what I mean? And so um, we're we're just we're grateful that we get to be here. We're grateful that we get to you know, play football when we know a lot of a lot of people that aren't getting that opportunity right now, we, we still have it. So we just want to do everything we can to to to, you know, be accountable for ourselves and, and to make sure we're we're doing the right things and, and doing our best to put ourselves in the best situation. And, and nobody knows everything about this virus. And 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 so if we can just do our best and, and keep doing our best, we can, you know, um, hopefully get back to playing football soon. All right, Jake and then Jay Drew.
2: James, I wanted to ask you,
0: in terms of you guys having this back-to-back bye week situation, how do you guys keep yourselves motivated while also working out, as what Kalani talked about in groups of just ten to fifteen guys? How do you keep yourselves going, looking ahead now to Troy a week from Saturday?
4: I, I would just uh, I would just copy everything Kalani said when he was saying that you know we have a lot of gratitude to be able to play right now. So the whole the whole fact that we still get to play football, that's you know that's the motivation we need and and where we have you know, a little bit of extra time to um, prepare and work out and, and and a little bit of time without a game here. Uh, we just – we're just grateful that we get a play and we're willing to do anything that we can do to, to keep that up. So we're just, you know, trying to, to work hard, keep up on the film, um, stay together as a group and, and, and move forward. All right, Jay.
5: Hey, James. Uh, you guys looked almost flawless in that – the offensive line in that game – but uh, Coach Mateo said there were issues. I think Brady Christensen said you can get better. What do you think you can get better at? What, what are some things that stand out to you?
4: Mm, well, I mean, as, as we're looking forward to, to Troy and, and what we can do with them, I think we just need to continue to prepare the best we can, um, knowing our scheme and their scheme and, and, and kind of our game plan to attack and and figuring out, you know, how we can best, you know, communicate certain things and be on the same page and and play better as a group. There's probably <clears throat> there's probably lots of things that that each one of us could do better, and and um, just attacking each one of those, you know, things and and moving forward and and uh, preparing week to week is is the best we can do, I think.
5: Nice cough into your elbow. Good.
4: technique. <laughs> I'm alone in a room. I'm still coughing in my elbow. <laughs> All right, let's go Dana and then Mitch. Hey,
3: James, um, as one of the leaders of this team and the other leaders as well, how much do you guys kind of stay on top of each other? I mean, sports medicine is trying to keep you as safe as possible, but how much do you guys monitor each other's behavior to make sure you're in the safest environment, safest situation so you can continue this season?
4: Well, football football in itself is a, is a game where you got to trust each other. So... I think we got a, we got a group of a lot of guys that, you know, uh, believe in each other and trust each other. And, and I think everybody's trying to do their best to, to keep themselves in good situations and, and, you know, just, just moving forward, we're just going to keep trying to get better and better with, with the guidelines we've been given and doing that. So where, where you got a bunch of guys that, that are trying their best to, to play hard for each other and trust each other. I think, um, most of the accountability is, is on each other. And then as, as you know, we we see things happening and leaders see things happening, we talk to each other and, and keep things straight, whether it be on the field or off the field or in the classroom, you know, everybody's just um, trying to be their best selves, you know what I mean? And and um, and as a team, you just got to be able to help and support everybody in doing that. James, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, so, you know, how, how can you maybe describe how you guys as a team found out that the game was postponed, maybe just describe what that those feelings were in that moment uh, when you guys did find out. Yeah, everybody, everybody was super excited for army. And I think we're still really excited for army. We have a lot of faith that that game uh, will hopefully get rescheduled and, and we'll still get to play those guys. We, we think they're a great team and have a great program and, and, you know, we're looking forward to it. And so in the moment, everybody's kind of bummed because, you know, we, we want to play that game and we felt like we were on our way to having some, some pretty good preparation and, and getting ourselves dialed in for it. but then, um, I think, you know, after that, probably initial, um, initial probably bummer, you know, of, of, of hearing about it, I think everybody was just positive and grateful that we still get to play football. And, and we started looking forward to the next game and and looking forward to what we need to do to get back to playing football, whether, you know, whatever guidelines we've been given by, you know, sports medicine and, and the state and, you know, everybody trying to keep us healthy and safe and, and responsible. You know what I mean? So I think first it was a bummer, but then everybody's just like, Hey, we're going to play and we get to play. And so let's stay positive, do everything we can. And, and we'll, we'll get that game later on the road. All right, Jared, last question. They announced just now that you've added another game home game against Louisiana tech. So this schedule
1: is still evolving. You mentioned the confidence that the army game will be rescheduled. Is
4: that fun? Because it's it's so different than anything we've ever experienced. Usually, you have it all lined up, and I know you guys focus week to week. But is it kind of fun that you know things just evolve this year, and and anything could happen from from week to week as far as the schedule goes? Yeah, I mean this 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 year has been a wild ride, and and we're just you know we're still in it. We're still on the roller coaster, still going through the ups and downs. So. Um, and, and really the best thing you can do is, is take everything, you know, and with a positive mindset and, and moving forward and, and, and making your best out of any situation, you know what I mean? So when things happen, you know, there's the ups and the downs and you just got to, you got to roll with it and figure out what you can do next because you can only control what you can control. And I think the guys are doing a good job at, at, uh, having that kind of mindset and, you know, controlling what they can control and, and being able to, you know, Uh, just prepare week to week to to what's next, you know, and, and what's next is Troy and we're super excited to play those guys. And, and, and we're already starting to prepare for them.
0: All right. There's BYU offensive lineman, James Empey. Now the media perspective, Jay Drew joined PK and I uh, yesterday, late in the show. Uh, We talked about many things, including the cancellation of army, a lot of factors. And I think they all matter. They all resonate. But uh, I think one reigns uh, supreme here and trumps all the others and uh, I think Jay is smart because you know Jay agrees with me, (laughs) basically he said what I was thinking so he's smart Uh, Jay will get into that and here's Jay with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Jay, good morning morning guys so, you got to uh, hear from Kalani on the uh, Army game getting uh, postponed what level of hope do you have for it being rescheduled
5: uh, I don't have much hope, to be honest with you. I know they talked yesterday that there's a lot of hope down in Provo, but um, when the uh, when the Army AD basically went out and said, "Hey, we're looking for for somebody to fill that Saturday," and Army already has, I think, twelve games, or or would have twelve games if they if they add that game. Um, I think basically he was sending the message that you know we're 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 moving on from BYU um so um what a that, bummer. that that They're is moving on my, from BYU uh, that was just kind that of sucks. what i got from that tweet so um I, I don't know um it it'll be interesting i i think uh i think there'll be more cancellations uh, down the road for, for all teams and, and postponements and all that so um, I literally army might lose a game here or there and and circle back and say, oh yeah maybe we will uh, you know we will get BYU especially a home game and especially if you can in November if you can get a crowd if you um, that should be pretty good for their you know for their bottom line so uh, I don't know I'm, I' I guess I'd say I'm uh, leaning towards that it won't be played but I'm but I'm hopeful because, you know i want to go out there i basically had to cancel my plane ticket um when they when they postponed the game and, and i'd love to see army so so i hope it happens
0: With the Louisiana Tech, that seems like a pretty good get. I didn't have very, I know they were talking about adding games during the season, but, you know, the number of conferences that aren't playing non conference games and the fact everybody else had a lot of games set with their conference schedule, I had pretty low expectations to get a team that's averaging nine wins a year over the last six years, to get a team coming off a 10 win season. uh, I thought that was a pretty good get. That was really, I think, kind of top shelf as far as what's available out there.
5: Yeah, I, I I was pretty impressed too. Uh, and like you said, I mean they're they're not going to get a a P five game. I think that's pretty obvious by now. So and especially after some of the Sun Belt teams beat the Big Twelve, uh, you know if you're a if you're a Power Five team, I I, I don't know if you want a piece of that. Um, but yeah, that that is a, a good get, and it'll be interesting to see if BYU is going to uh, is going to make that a yeah, you know, a home and home if they're going to return the game. I combed through a bunch of uh, newspaper reports on that last night, trying to figure yeah. that out. And, uh, it and who knows? So um, I'm putting in that grandma request to law tech to see what's in that contract. Um, but the way those are going lately, I don't know that, that that'll be delivered. So uh, we'll just have to wait and see, but, but, Certainly a, a really good game for that October 2nd game, which is when BYU would have been hosting Utah State. So this isn't as good as that game, but uh, it's a pretty good game.
3: Yeah, I asked a great question. You folk just didn't hear me. But I heard you, and you'll hear me now. You got me now? I got you, PK. Okay, so By I need to know. How many guys have tested? Is it three? Is it five? Is it 11? Is it 23? Is it 18? That's the big number, as if it matters.
5: Yeah, that's uh, – <laughs> uh, I heard, you know, yesterday I think you had a number. I think uh, Gordon Monson in a column had a number. I had a different number, which is closer to yours than Gordon's. I think some of it might be semantics. Is, are you talking about players? Are you talking about other people within the program? I mean, there's a lot of kind of different variables, but uh, but I'll just say um, that uh, that I've heard that it's, uh, you know, closer to what you reported, PK, than, than anything else.
3: Well, they did say it was a low number, and I think it was a low number. And I had also heard that maybe, you know, BYU wasn't uh, all that thrilled with the decision that there were other outside agencies uh, putting a play on it, particularly with Utah and Utah State not playing. Have
5: you heard any of that? Yeah, I've heard some of that. I've heard that there are some health officials, uh, maybe that lean toward allegiance toward those other programs that that aren't exactly thrilled that BYU is the only team in the Western U.S., let alone the state of Utah, still playing. So uh, I've heard kind of rumblings and rumors of that. Um, and I think the bottom line, though, is I think the restrictions up on this place by travelers by the state of New York is kind of the overriding factor in this. I think even if Army had agreed to to, to let BYU come play, I think they still had to jump through that hoop of the, the state of New York. And I think that was the, the bottom line reason why the game was, was postponed slash canceled.
0: Jay Drew joining us, BYU football writer for the Deseret News. I know when the players are on camera, they say the right things. I've heard multiple players say the right things. Uh, do you hear – they they tend to bring – not always, but they tend to bring veteran players who are more experienced – who you expect would be really invested in playing, and those are the guys I think would be following the rules. Uh, we've seen from other schools that there are guys following the rules, and then there's so many positives. You're thinking, okay, you guys can't really be dialed into this. you know, Multiple schools in like Texas Tech and Arkansas State most recently. Do you have the feeling that most BYU guys are trying to follow the rules so they at least have a pretty good chance of playing, recognizing that anything can go wrong even if you're following the rules and they may have to postpone a game?
5: Yeah, I do, and and you're right, DJ. They do bring selected players uh, that, uh, in the first part of fall camp, they were letting us kind of choose, and and they would do their best to to make those interviews available. But recently it's just, like you said, the team captains, the more uh, senior players like James Ampey and Troy Warner yesterday. Um, My gut feeling is that – around about June or July, that there was, and I've been, sources have told me there was an outbreak. They they did have uh, several, quite a few uh, guys test positive. And at that time, there was a some pretty stern uh, shots fired across the bow from BYU administration to these players. And from what I've gathered, most of them have, have kind of wised up and and followed the protocols and and done what they're supposed to do. But there's 123 guys on that roster. And and then you also have the support staff and the trainers and the sports medicine people. There's a lot of people kind of mingling and and, and involved in putting on practice and obviously on that flight to Navy. Uh, It wasn't just players. There was on the charter flight. There was all kinds of different people there. So, so, it's hard. I mean, you're talking about a ton of people, but I I get the idea from the most part that the last couple of months they've they've done done their best to to follow the guidelines and protocols.
3: So the only time we saw them play, they're pretty doggone impressive. How good is this football team?
5: Yeah, I was really impressed too. I thought, you know, everyone knows about maybe Navy not being prepared or not practicing or going live, but. But uh, BYU was really, really crisp. I mean, they only had one penalty. They had one false start by a freshman tight end. Um, when's the last time you've ever seen BYU in any game, let alone an opener, only have one penalty? So, I yeah, I thought they were really good. I thought they were physical. Uh, the running backs impressed me. I think that was maybe a question mark. But uh, Tyler Algier and... Lopini Katoa looked good, the receivers looked fairly uh adequate, Neil Pau and, and Gunnar Romney and Dax Milne. So yeah, I was I was uh I think they lived up to the billing. I, I had basically written a little thing saying this might be the best BYU team in Kalani's era. And I think uh so far they 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 showed that they certainly can do that. So yeah, very, very impressive start.
0: It's hard to take one game and then look all the way ahead in the schedule. And I know Navy hadn't been hitting, so that's a factor with the O-line. But when you read how many guys the NFL is looking at in the O-line, and then you see how the O-line plays, and then you look at the schedule, it's pretty easy to jump to the conclusion that they're going to run for a bunch of yards this year and just push people around. Do you think it's that simple, or do you see a bunch of hurdles in there that are maybe a little more hidden than that?
5: Yeah, I think it's that simple. I think um, for some reason, BYU always has prob- problems keeping running backs healthy, and we've already seen that with Jackson Chesney now out, and then the, the junior college transfer, Hinckley Ropati, got hurt in practice. I don't know why that is, but they have a lot of problems keeping running backs healthy. But uh, um, And then kind of looking back at my stories over the years, I, I feel like I've I've always been too optimistic about the offensive line and uh, and maybe and they haven't lived up to expectations or, or kind of the preseason hype, but I think this offensive line is really, really solid and uh, and not only are the five that started solid, they, they seem to have some really, really good players that basically are backing up these these starters, so uh, it's it's really deep. And so I think that's a good sign as well.
3: Yeah. And obviously you're running up 55 points. That's going to prove that. Uh, but you're only allowing three. It's like those enormous holes in the eight, nine, or seven, eight yards that the two running backs were averaging caught our attention. But I don't think we can f- overlook the fact that they were dominant on both sides of the ball. And, you know, Air Force, uh, not Air Force, but Navy, it's, you can't really judge the secondary because they don't throw the ball and all that. So that's – sort of an incomplete there but the other guys the front seven up front uh, collectively that's as well as they've played and who knows how long
5: yeah for sure and i think uh, that pepe tanuvasa the navy transfer was a pleasant surprise you know i i didn't think he'd see the field much and he came in and led the team in tackles um you're right though i think it'll a bigger test BYU's big problem last year was they couldn't get any pressure on the quarterback, and that was shown in the in the bowl game against Hawaii, where they just got riddled. Uh, and of course, they were playing without Austin Lee, their safety that day. But uh, but I think that's the big thing we'll see, especially starting with Troy, is can they get more pressure on the quarterback and um, and and basically take some of the some of the heat off the defensive backs trying to cover these guys for, you know, for so long. So, so that I think remains to be seen. They did get five sacks against Navy, but it maybe was just basically in a panic mode in the second half mm-hmm. and trying to do something they're not accustomed to doing. And uh, BYU was able to take advantage of it. So I think the jury is still out a little bit on the defense just because we're going to see a, a totally different offensive scheme, uh, on the twenty sixth, than than they saw on the seventh.
0: Your confidence on uh, confident on the twenty sixth?
5: Yeah, I think so. Especially since that game's in Provo. Um, I, I, in my wildest dreams, I can't imagine BYU canceling that game unless there's just this huge breakout. I mean, the the wild card obviously is is Troy. If you know they're they're going to have to make a cross country trip, and and so they're obviously going to have to stay healthy and and uh, COVID-free as much as possible.
3: What's the media's like going to be as far as you covering BYU, and what you're going to be allowed to do game days?
5: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my guess is it'll be the same as it was at Navy for those of us who went out there and that's just, we're just going to have to stay in the press box and do Zoom post-game interviews on Zoom just Uh, you know, just like we've been doing all through camp and all that. So my guess is they won't allow any sort of – there won't be a post-game press conference or anything like that.
0: No run down the elevator with five minutes to go, huh?
5: (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I don't know if they're going to limit the amount of people in the press box. I know Navy did that. So they were, you know – well, let's say they were supposed to be three or four feet five feet between each reporter. It didn't quite work out that way, but uh, that was kind of their plan.
0: Well, Jay, we appreciate a few minutes. Uh, Thanks for checking in with us, and uh, hopefully there'll be a game on the 26th.
5: Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: There's Jay Drew, and he writes for the Deseret News, covers BYU football. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.